Welcome to the Abode Church Podcast. The Abode Church is a group of house churches made up of believers who are coming together to become people who abide in Jesus. I am your host, Josh Nutri, and I am super excited to be with you today. Hey, Abode family. This is actually just going to be me this week. I know it's been a while since we've done a podcast. I've been super busy, and honestly, I dropped the ball. That's on me. I had been putting things off because I had a lot going on in my personal life, which really was dragging out this next recording of the podcast. We were supposed to be having someone who's been a key part of the abode for quite some time on the podcast, but they have become sick in the last couple of days when we were going to finally get to interview because of my shortcomings. And so instead of having this person on the podcast this week, we're going to save this surprise till they're better. So that their audio and their voice is clear and you can understand them better because we only want to be able to present the best so it's smooth and easy for you to listen to and grasp because I promise you the message is going to be killer. But because it's been so long, I want to get something out there. And so I don't know how many of you exactly listened to the intro podcast, but the very first one we did I introed myself briefly. I told you a little bit about me, and I mentioned that currently I had been substitute teaching, but I had a lot on the horizon of possibilities for my work going forward. I mentioned, right, that I went to school for full-time ministry, and so if you didn't know this, the abode is incredible, but the abode is not big enough to pay people, and so all the volunteering and stuff that I've been doing with the abode and and all the things that we've been doing getting plugged in and everybody doing anything with the abode is all volunteer based. And so for someone who's worked full time in ministry, I did not want to, well, let me take that back. I was torn because I knew that if I got a job in another church like I was looking at, I would have to step back some in the abode. And so there was kind of this tension inside of me and this this troubling feeling of how exactly would my participation in the abode look if I got another job again in full-time ministry. And then recently a opportunity fell in my lap to interview for a position at a school here in the North Houston area called Northland Christian. And it's a Christian school that has a lot of non-Christian students at, whether it's people wealthy in the area whose parents don't want them at public schools, or it's their influx of foreign exchange students from China, or whatever that may be, there's a lot of non-Christian students. And so a couple of years ago, they created a position for like a campus pastor type role, and I got the opportunity to interview for that. (laughs) And it was something I got super excited about and interested in. And through this interview process that's been going on the last couple of months, they started to identify and realize that some of this needed to change, right? Because the school has anywhere between like 40 and maybe like 70 or 80, depending on class size for each grade. And so that's a lot of kids for one person, a pastor. And so they decided rather than hiring one Bible teacher and one campus pastor, they were going to form a team to work together. And so I've been hired as part of this team. And so I wanted to talk about 
one, some of the faithfulness of God coming through this, but also some of what God has taught me through this waiting period. Because maybe for you it's not a job. Maybe for you it's financially. Maybe for you it's something with relationships. Or maybe for you it's something different. But I guarantee you we are all going to go through seasons where it seems like God is so distant and quiet. But in reality, what I feel like God was teaching me was to sit in his presence and trust him and believe in him that he is going to come through. That the God who made promises to me, that the God who says things is faithful and true to his word. And so that's what I want to talk about this week. Right? So... We had, I, since I stepped out of my ministry in East Texas, where I'd previously been a youth pastor, I had interviewed for multiple churches. And on three separate occasions, I came down to the final two applicants. And each time the church decided to go with the other guy. And talk about demoralizing, talk about painful, talk about hard. And so I could not help but take this personally, right? Obviously, something with me was flawed, was wrong, was broken. It it was me. And I just became very personally attacked and struggling through this time. But what I started to realize is that maybe things like what's going on with the abode, and maybe things going on with my family. And maybe God's plans for me was to step out of that and into something that's still completely ministry, but looks a bit different than your traditional church job. So instead, God was, I, I believe he was allowing me to... We, we always say that God has a plan, right? And that, that God is working in all things for the good of those who love him. And so I don't want to say that God makes these bad things happen and that he, he causes hard times and struggles because those are much deeper conversations than we can really get into in a podcast. Those are really things to sit down with people personally. And if you want to talk about those things, reach out to me. But the point of my story is through whatever was going on with me not getting these jobs and maybe and I fully believe that I would have been fine for them. But I fully believe that for the sake of the kingdom, the person that they went with in these situations were also completely terrific, fantastic candidates who will do exactly what God has planned for those ministries. And I fully believe that what God has planned at Northland Christian is exactly where he wanted for me to be. And But I believe that more than anything in this, what God was teaching me and he was teaching Taylor and he was teaching that Taylor's my wife and what he was teaching us as a family is to trust him. To trust him that he is working all things for good. And that ultimately, my identity, as much as I get wrapped up in my vocation, my calling to ministry, because I do believe that I was called to ministry professionally, right? All of us as believers are called into a ministry of some sort. And so don't get that twisted. Know that you are called, you are part of the priesthood of believers, as First Peter tells us. And you are called to to do great things for the kingdom. But there are people who are called to professional ministry. And I fully believe that's me. 
But what I think God was teaching me is, well, that is my vocation. That is my calling. That is not my identity. My identity first is a son of God. And ultimately, that's what God, I think, was trying to teach me through all this is that first and foremost, I am his child and I need to be comfortable in that and not get my identity wrapped up in what I do, but whose I am and who that I am. Because so often I was getting this distorted view and I was overlapping both my ministry and my family life, my ministry and my personal life. There's been times where I would, you know, I would neglect my personal spiritual life for the sake of my my ministry spiritual life and what I was teaching, what I was preaching, the the lessons that I was trying to convey. And yes, God works in me through those times, but but what I'm doing in those times does not replace and fulfill my personal time alone with God. And so God was teaching me first and foremost to just know that my identity is a son. Your identity is a son, a daughter, first and foremost. You may be a mechanic. You may be, you know, whatever. And that's your vocation. That's your calling. You, God has plans to work in and through you in those things but first and foremost, you are a child of God. You are loved. You are his. And that is the first place that you need to make sure that you are sitting in. Because that's where our power comes from. That's where our energy comes from. That's where our will to do things comes from. I fully believe, you know, I was talking the other day with my mother-in-law and she said, God never gives us more than we can handle. And I could not disagree with that more. Because so often we are given far more than we can handle. This waiting period, when we left our job at the end of August and we moved in with my parents for what we thought was going to be a short time, I could not have done that on my own. Josh could not have handled that by himself. But, there is a but, but with God I can, right? For Philippians 4.13 tells us in him we can, we can do all things in him through gives us strength. Not I can do all things through Josh who has strength, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so when we are resting in our identity in him, we can do these things. I, I get far more on my plate than I can handle in ministry and life and my personal walks and my own struggles and temptations and fears and all these things. I cannot do this on my own, but with him I can. And so the first place we have to rest is in him, knowing that that is our identity, right? We are called the abode for a reason because we are abiding in the one who is our source of strength, who is our fortress, our strong tower, our refuge, our shield, our salvation, right? I love Paul in Romans 1. He says, that the gospel is the power of salvation for all who believe. That, the, that it is our power in him. So first and foremost, I learned to sit in him. Secondly, I learned to trust him. And man, can I tell you what? This is how hard. 
This is so hard because so many times I thought I was trusting him so well. But if you think with me to Abraham, right? He was given a promise by God. He was told he was going to be a blessing to bless the nations. He was blessed to be a blessing. And God promises him that he would have a multitude of nations blessed through him. And Abraham's like, God, I don't have a kid. And God's like, don't worry, I'll take care of it. And Abraham's getting old and, <coughs> excuse me, and sorry guys, I also, quick sidetrack, I'm not going to do a ton of editing with the audio and cutting out some of the stuff because I want to get it out to you right away because it does take me a couple of days and next week I'll actually be speaking at a youth camp and so I'll be out of town next week and so I won't have time to do it before then and so I want to make sure that y'all get this so that when we get back this other interview can happen and that podcast can release as well so I apologize that this quality is going to be a bit down from usual I mean it's never great it's not professional I'm doing this on my own and I'm self-taught and I'm not by any means a tech wizard or even very tech smart let alone a genius but I apologize for that but anyways back to Abraham right so Abraham was blessed to be a blessing he's told he's going to have a multitude of nations blessed through him but he doesn't even have a kid and so he starts looking at things his he's sitting there with his wife who right Sarah she laughed at this promise and so they're sitting there and they're like all right you know time's getting short we're old we we don't have a um, a lot of time left if we have any so um, I think that maybe what God's wanting us to do is to take matters into our own hand and help him right and so they go and Sarah gives Abraham her maidservant right and so he has a son through Sarah's servant and out comes Ishmael but Ishmael's not the child of promise because God promised them that they would have a child. But here's the problem that they did is that they thought they were trusting God. But instead of waiting and trusting in him to make things happen, they tried basically to give you a metaphor. It was like, you know, when you have a little kid, whether you have children or not, you've probably been around nieces, nephews, younger cousins, or just seeing kids, right? I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old and they will take me by the hand and they want to pull me ahead. But as a father, as the one who knows better, I know that the safest place is with them right next to me and that they need to be walking by me or behind me, following me. But the kid tries to pull the parents ahead, and I believe that is a picture of what Abraham was doing and what Sarah was doing with God, is they were taking God by the hand and, and running him ahead like, God, come on, come on, you made this promise, so we need to get up here and do it. And rather than waiting on God, they were trying to pull God along to ultimately follow their plans and what they thought was God's promise, but it wasn't. And I find myself that, that my biggest struggle through this time was that right there. And at the end of this time when, when it was coming down to the wire and I was waiting to hear back from Northland and I kept getting pushed back a little bit longer and a little bit longer and I just had this peace. I just, I, I don't know what else to say because in the previous interviews, these previous churches that I was talking with, I felt confident 
but I didn't feel this peace. I didn't feel this assurance, this confidence that it was going to work out. And so after Northland started to stretch out, my, my wife and my mom and my family, they're telling me, you know, like, hey, you need to start applying at other places too, just in case. And I was like, no, no, no. You know, I, I, I just, I have this confidence. I have this peace. Finally, I, I started to get nervous myself and I started to, and I applied at one place. And then all of a sudden, a, a guy that I know who is a couple of hours away, they had an opening for youth pastor and he is heavily pursuing me. Their church is heavily pursuing me. They're, they're wanting me to come up there and interview and, and it's looking very promising. Like, hey, we'll take care of you. The, the finances, the childcare, that was the biggest thing was the childcare help so my wife could finish school. They're like, we will take care of all of it. Don't worry about a thing. And, and we started to really toy with it. And, and we were trying to hold out as long as we could because we had this promise. And I can tell you what, if it wasn't for the power and the promises that God had given me and my trying my hardest to remain confident in him because I was wanting to take God by the hand and pull him ahead. If it wasn't for him just telling me, you know, giving me this confidence and this peace and telling me slow down and wait, I would have probably taken those jobs and it wouldn't have been the end of the world. And I think God would have used me and and good things would have happened. But it wasn't what he was having in store for me. It wasn't what he was desiring for our family. And it ultimately wasn't where he was leading us. And it and and so I think that the second thing that I learned through this was to wait alongside or behind God, knowing right, thinking forward, past Abraham, when the Israelites are in the wilderness <clears throat> and they're wandering for years, God's presence comes to them and he's a pillar of smoke by day and fire by night and they didn't go anywhere unless his spirit moved and they would just sit and wait where the presence of God was because what they learned is that in the wilderness they couldn't win fights without the wars without God when they came across enemies, they couldn't have a food and water and the essentials for life without God in his presence. And what God was teaching me secondly is not only is my identity found in him, but that he is working and that he is alive and active and at work and that he has things in store for us that he is wanting us to walk alongside him with. That ultimately he is the one who I need to be following and not myself. That he is my source of strength, but also the one who is working in all things. And that I need to be following him for that strength because that's where my identity is and that's where my power lies. And so I believe that those were the two major things that God was teaching me. And so I know that I'm not alone in this because I know that I felt other times where it may not have been this big. It may not have been me having a wife and two kids who were dependent on me and a stepping out of an income and thinking it was going to be temporary and it stretched out into eight months of, of hard times and I'm not going to actually begin full time until, <clears throat> until August. But I know that I've had other times in my life where I needed to 
weight and I needed to trust. I needed to sit in God's presence knowing that that's where my identity lies and that's where I need to be is where his spirit is alive and moving in my life. And so I know that I'm not alone in that. And it may not be that big to you. It may not seem that that major and life altering for you. But I guarantee you that throughout your life, that is going to be a constant thing that you're needing to follow, that you need to realize that God is for you. He's not against you. He is with you, but he is also moving. He is alive and he is active and you need to be following him and not trying to lead him along, but sitting in his presence, abiding in him and knowing that's where your power and where your love and your source of, of just life lies. That's where you find joy and happiness and success. And I hate to use the word prosperity because it has such a negative connotation in today's culture where just this past week a big name pastor said he's justifying buying a, a jet instead of... And, and so I, I don't want to get mixed up into that. But I want you to know that that prosperity is more than that. But it's simply you thriving and succeeding it's not you getting a ton of money necessarily but it is you making it and it is you being successful and prosperity and success and strength is found in God alone and when when Satan took Jesus up onto the when when he took Jesus well, when Jesus was in the wilderness and Satan came to Jesus after 40 days of fasting, Satan takes him and he's like, hey, you know, and he's challenging his identity. He's like, turn these stones into bread. And then he brings him up a little bit higher. And he's like, all right, and well, if you're the son of God, just jump down and, and God will catch you. He'll save you. And Jesus is like, no. And each time he knows the word of God, he's so, he has God's presence so alive and active and close to him that he can respond with God's promises because he trusts and he knows them because he's resting in them. And that's where we need to be. And finally, Satan takes him up. And I think there's something interesting that every time Satan, if you read the text, every time he takes Jesus up somewhere higher. And it reminds me of the Tower of Babel when those people right in the beginning of Genesis, they're trying to build this tower to get to heaven. And Satan is raising Jesus up higher and higher and higher. And he's giving him more to offer, more to offer. And finally, he's like, look, Jesus, I will give you all these things if you just bow down and worship me. And Satan finally shows his hand that that's what he was really getting at all along. And he may have been sugarcoating. And that's what we need to realize is that Satan does have a foothold here on earth. And he does have a lot to offer you. And it may seem like prosperity and success, but it's only in the short sight. It's only in the immediate times that it seems that way. And then you realize that that our Bible gives us the whole story, that we have the end picture right, and that the final battle between God and between Satan, it's not an it's not a close battle. It's not even. It literally is one verse and, and a rain of fire comes down and wipes them out. We know the end story. We know the promises for those who are in God. And we know the promises of those who lie up their treasures on earth compared to heaven. And when you're lying up your treasures in heaven, you may get treasures on earth. But we need to remember to focus our eyes onto things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We need to set our eyes on heaven, on God, because that's where we 
that's where our citizenship lies, that's where our source lies, and that's where our life lies. And that we, we will get blessings in different ways. And for some of us, it may look financial. Some of us, it may look other ways. But you will be blessed. And ultimately, the biggest blessing you'll have is the presence of God in your life, not only now, but eternally. And that is something that nothing else can make up for. And so learn that in whatever's going on in your life, there will be challenges, there will be trials, there will be temptations to make your own way, right? We live in America, which tells us, blaze your own trail, forge your own path, whatever. But Hebrews tells us that we have a pioneer, a trailblazer, if you may, of our faith, one who has gone before us. We're not going first, but we've had someone who's gone before Jesus, who's the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. And we are to follow his trail, his example, his lead. And we follow behind him and not trying to make the way ourselves because it is the old saying goes, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. There's people who had the best intentions but were blazing their own trail. And Jesus tells us that he is the way, the source, and the life. That he is the only way to heaven. And there's many, many, many people who had the greatest intentions and who were the best of people. But they still weren't able to do enough. But Jesus did. And Jesus is offering that to us. And he's saying, just take my hand and walk with me. So take his hand. Trust him. Be present with him in whatever's going on in your life. Because I know that we live in a world that says you need to have somebody. You need to be loved. You need to, to feel love. And Jesus gives you the ultimate source of love. So don't run to people for that. Right? My wife is the most incredible woman I know. And she is amazing and I I I'm I crave her love and I and everything else but but ultimately God's love is first and foremost what fills me because if I was looking to tailor to fill that hole inside of me and to feel fill that gap in my in my depths of my soul it would never be filled and instead she would become my God and I would be at her mercy but when I'm sitting at the foot of the cross and I'm sitting next to Jesus and being filled by his love, then I am free to fully love others and I am free to fully be loved by others because I know true love. So sit there, whether it's relationships or maybe it's work like it was for me and providing for yourself or for your family. And it's so hard. And I don't get me wrong. Don't go without doing anything because in this I started substitute teaching in the meantime but I knew that that was a temporary fix because like I mentioned I knew that my vocation my calling for my life for work is in ministry that is I fully 100% believe that is where I've been called and so I did take a temporary job to be able to provide for my family so that my family could live and we were able to move in with my parents so that we could have a place to stay and but i did work in those meantimes but i didn't jump at the drop of whatever other jobs lay ahead and i didn't jump into a job that was going to be long term knowing that 
that's not where God has called me. Because first, yes, my identity is in God, but I also know that in, in that, God has given me a calling of resting in his identity and helping other people do that as well and leading other people in that as well. And so maybe for you, your calling has been serving people and blessing people through, maybe it's maybe it's something like um, the auto industry and fixing people's cars. Or maybe it's a teacher, or maybe it's a nurse, and God has given you this ministry and this calling to serve and to help people. And, and maybe it falls through, and while you're sitting in the presence of God, you have to take something in the short term. But don't give up the long term where you know God has called you, but also don't remain stagnant and in a world where you do have to be able to. So don't get those things mixed up. But ultimately know that if God has called you to something, that he is faithful and he will come through, that God is a God who can and will be trusted. And ultimately, the words of people will fail, the promises of people will fail, the promises that the world makes you will fail, but the promises that God has given you are true and they will stand. And you may not see them in the immediate time, just like Abraham and Sarah did not see the promise that God made them immediately. But he did see it in time, and he did see it in the end. So guys, that is my podcast for the week. For Because of the fact that it was my testimony ultimately mixed in with quite a bit of Devo, I'm not going to give a separate Devo because I do believe that this was kind of mixed um, in the bag between the two. I did not have a guest this week. It was me. I told y'all last time that I wanted to share in the future because there was things on the horizon at the time and they have come to fruition. And so I wanted to share that with you, but share with you what I was learning in that. I was going to wait a few weeks for this, but because of having put this off for so long, I didn't want to put it off for another two weeks since I'll be gone next week. Church speaking at a church camp and the person I was going to be speaking with who I'd been dragging along because of my own stuff they are sick this week but they'll be on next week and I promise you it's or in two weeks I promise you it will be a great conversation so don't miss it but anyways guys let me close this in prayer and then the the benediction and the outro will play guys God you're so great God, we pray that we can sit in you knowing that you are that you are our source of power, that you are our strength, you are our fortress, God, and our identity is found in you. So let us sit in your presence, let us sit in your love, God. Let us let us not grab you by the hand and try to pull you along to where we we feel like you're taking us, God, but let us walk alongside you in step or right behind where it is, God, that you're moving because we acknowledge that you are alive, that you are active, and that you are at work in this world and that we want to follow where you are working, God. May it be like the Israelites in the wilderness who followed your presence, God. Let us also follow your spirit. We love you. We thank you so much for the cross we thank you for the resurrection. We thank you for the power of love and salvation. So let us rest in your love and in your salvation. And let us also extend that to others around us. You are such a good, good dad. And we love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, brothers, and sisters, 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in the power of Christ and in the power of his spirit. Continue to abide in him and have a blessed week.